Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard, Steve Hayes, to check in with you now that South Carolina has spoken, now that the campaign's headed to Nevada. Where are we, Steve Hayes, on the eve of the Nevada primary? It's over. Trump won the nomination <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, there are only 4% of the delegates that have been allocated out of the uh, whole amount of delegates that were available, but, it, but it's over. I've read that now several places. Trump is on a glide path to the nomination, can't possibly be stopped. So we, we really don't even need to talk about the Republican side. Well, I'm not going to rehash what I covered in my piece for the Weekly Standard about how this South Carolina primary isn't your grandpa's South Carolina primary. But it is true. I mean, when you look at the numbers, you need 1,237 delegates to win the nomination. On March 1st alone, there'll be 595 delegates that day, the biggest day of the year. Texas right. by itself is 155. And what does inevitable Donald Trump have? A whopping 67. That's where we actually are. As someone pointed out, I forget who it was in my Twitter feed. He's won uh, nine fewer primaries than President Rick Santorum won in 2012. Right. Yeah, it, it really is ridiculous to, for, for people to be saying that, that this race is over, uh, that he's the inevitable Republican nominee, that there's no path for anybody else. And you do hear that from a lot of the pointy heads and know-it-alls and conventional wisdom purveyors in Washington. I think it's wrong. Look, Donald Trump is in a strong position to become the Republican nominee. But Donald Trump is not yet the Republican nominee. And I, I think we can expect a spirited fight and a fight that lasts for quite some time, given the level of antipathy and animosity towards Trump among many rank-and-file Republican voters. I mean, there are, there are data all over the place to support this. There was a national Wall Street Journal NBC poll last week um, with numbers about how many Republicans could see themselves ever supporting Donald Trump. And Trump has done yeoman's work in turning those numbers around. It used to be you know, only 20 percent could could see themselves and now above 60 percent could see themselves. But it remains the case that some 30 odd percent can't see themselves at this point supporting the current Republican frontrunner. That's an obstacle, even in South Carolina, where Trump uh, won you know, nearly a third of the vote. You had 39 percent of South Carolina Republicans tell Fox News last week that they wouldn't support Donald Trump, that they would never support Donald Trump. So he's got to do something to broaden his appeal. There's been a lot of debate about where his ceiling is and what his ceiling is. It's possible that it's 50 percent plus one, uh, but we haven't yet seen that. And I think until we do, uh, it's early to crown him the Republican nominee. And uh, he's going to keep campaigning. He's going to keep doing, for example, what he's done the last 24 hours, which is suggested that it's a realistic debate about whether or not Marco Rubio, born in Florida, is a citizen of the United States able to run for president. I mean, that's just lunacy. He was in Atlanta yesterday and he said, I'm a better person than the other people I'm running against. I really am. That's a direct quote. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, no one, you're so much better than that guy who's the brain surgeon who separated, you know, Siamese twins and who spends much of his time working in the ministry and giving free health care to people and preaching the gospel. You're right, Trump. You're abs you and you and who whatever wife you're with right now, you're definitely a better person. So those words will have impact. The question is, uh, Steve, whether the campaigns will pick them up and fight Trump or if they're going to keep trying this bizarre strategy that Ted Cruz initiated, the just leave him alone and maybe he'll go away strategy. Well, and, and now Cruz is, I think, scrambling to, to, to fight Trump 
hard. Um, but but it is the case that the early cruise strategy of embracing Trump and hope that he hoping that he collapses or goes away um, helped in some ways to legitimize Trump, along with you know many of the the, the folks who gave Trump. You know, I think maybe some of them thought what was a fair hearing, but I think a lot of people regarded was uh, them as apologists for Trump. It legitimized Trump, and it made him uh, something into into something that he might not have otherwise been. Um, look, if if you want to talk, Trump talks about how he. Uh, doesn't think that Marco Rubio may be eligible to be president. Of course, in January, he told Jake Tapper uh, that he did think that Marco Rubio was eligible to be president. Donald Trump says Ted Cruz uh, may not be eligible to be president. In September, Donald Trump said Ted Cruz was eligible to be president. This is what we're talking about with the Trump candidacy. And it may be the case that people don't care that Donald Trump says things regularly that contradict one another, whether we're talking about substance like the Obamacare mandate where he embraced it one day last week and he uh, threw it overboard the next day, whether you're talking about policy or, pro- or process issues uh, such as the eligibility of his opponents. Trump is a walking disaster. He says things that contradict themselves every single day and often says things that don't even make sense. We may be at the point where that doesn't matter to voters. I'm not ready to believe that yet. And I think you could offer as evidence that campaigning matters, a shocking concept, I know, though the the trend for Donald Trump in South Carolina, where uh, he went in at you know 40 percent and looked like it was going to be something like a tidal wave. He had that debate performance. We spent all this time debating. Did it make any difference? Well, somehow when the election uh, day finally arrived, Trump had a decent 32 and a half percent. I'm not taking that away from him. But out of nowhere, Marco Rubio surges back up into second place. And I think it's reasonable to say that Trump's poor performance energized people who were on you know, the other teams to turn out and drove down the number of people willing to vote for him. And the question is, do you agree with that, Steve? And more importantly, do Rubio, Cruz, Kasich, et cetera, do they agree? And are they willing, willing to do what happened in South Carolina, which is for the first time this campaign, he had a week's worth of serious marketing campaigning against him? Yeah, I mean, I think your piece on South Carolina is must-reading. I think John McCormick had a piece recapping South Carolina that goes into some of the the details about Trump's slippage over the past uh, over the last few days before the South Carolina primary. There was a good New York Times article that suggests there was additional slippage uh, in Trump's uh, base of support going into South Carolina. And I think if you look at the late decider numbers, they they provide some evidence that Trump uh, slipped as the, as time went on. He, he won 54 percent of South Carolina voters, uh, Republican primary voters, who decided more than a month in advance of the contest. But he was blown out in late deciders, both people who decided on Election Day and people who decided uh, the last few days before the election. He was blown out, putting those two together, by Cruz and by Rubio. Um, which suggests people weren't turning to Donald Trump after that last debate. He wasn't increasing his levels of support, which he had done in New Hampshire, incidentally. So I do think that there's a fair amount of evidence that the debate hurt him, just as his skipping the debate in Iowa hurt him. Yeah, I think the the real question is, is what do the Cruz and Rubio campaigns in particular do now? Will they sort of unleash the kind of attacks on Donald Trump that I think would be most likely to be effective uh, in damaging his candidacy. There is a lot there. Donald Trump is an opposition researcher's dream. And 
despite the fact that you've had efforts by our principals back and, and some efforts by uh, Cruz, some modest efforts by Jeb Bush's campaign, not his super PAC as much, t- to take that argument to Trump, I still would contend that he's managed to get to this point in the process largely without the kind of scrutiny that he can certainly expect if he were to be the Republican nominee in a general election campaign against Hillary Clinton. One last question for you, uh, because the uh, you know uh, Trump supporters are already starting to coalesce around the "Hey, we've all got to rally around the no- nominee. We're inevitable. Just get used to it. Set aside all these crazy little things like principles and stuff, and just get on board." As as uh, as this that's a nascent movement now, Steve. But if Trump sweeps Super Tuesday, if he sweeps the 12 states of Super Tuesday or maybe comes out 11 out of 12 and only loses to Cruz in Texas by a margin. I mean, at that point, all the talk about somebody can beat Trump, doesn't it get washed away in the but nobody has beaten Trump? I think it does. I th- and I think that's that's a real risk if you're an anti-Trump. Uh, voter, you know, the the more the better Trump does, the more people will uh, either seek to join him or legitimize him in one way or another. Just this morning, you had Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House of Representatives, on Morning Joe, saying he could work with the Donald Trump as the Republican nominee. In my view, that kind of talk—if if you don't want Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee—is is counterproductive stupid. Uh, why would you be saying that and further legitimizing this guy who is just today making open threats against fellow conservatives who are helping to fund campaigns against him? I mean, he, he spoke of the Ricketts, the, the Ricketts family, the owners of the Chicago Cubs, who is contributing money to a pack designed to shine a light on, on Trump's <clears throat> various non-conservative positions and flip-flops and what have you. And Trump said that's a dangerous proposition to do that because they, they're hiding a lot. It was a pretty much an open, direct threat, the kind of thing that you'd expect from Barack Obama's IRS. Donald Trump is doing. Um, and Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, the House Republican leader, is out, in effect, legitimizing Trump as a candidate by talking about how he'd be able to work with him. I, I think it's counterproductive as somebody who doesn't want to see Donald Trump as president I think it's foolish in the extreme. I agree with you completely, 100%, Steve, unless Trump wins, in which case I will destroy all of these recordings, and I will announce that I want to be the first to welcome my new Trumpian overlords and will be effective working for them in the media minds, promoting their uh, philosophy. And I want that uh, also on the record as well. Steve Hayes, thanks for joining us on the Weekly Standard. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.